Well, we're in the second of a four-part series that we're calling Call Resistance. We're looking at two Old Testament figures and two New Testament characters and trying to hear and discern in their call, perhaps our own call, and also identify the resistance that they experience and perhaps identify with the resistance that sometimes might get in our way of responding to God's call in our lives. Last week, we focused on Jonah. Jonah discovered that there's no place to hide from God. He also discovered that God's mercy is greater than his justice. And he found that God never gave up on him, Jonah, nor would God give up on his enemies, the Ninevites, either. Today we're going to take a look at Moses, a reluctant leader, someone who felt very unqualified for the task that God had called him to. I wonder how many times you feel hopeless and helpless in this complicated world that we live. Useless against all the wrongs that we see in this world. Imagine every one of us have some issue that just breaks our heart. It just makes us cringe every time we hear about another report of the same thing happening again. On my Twitter feed, on my smartphone, is the account of Reverend Charles Harrison. He's the pastor, United Methodist pastor at Barnes United Methodist Church. He helped start Indy Ten Point Coalition, where it sends volunteers into neighborhoods, and they patrol, and it helps seem to reduce the violence that happens in those neighborhoods. But Reverend Harrison also knows there's a lot more to this issue of violence in the city of Indianapolis. And so to keep that call alive, he posts on his Twitter feed every single homicide that occurs in the city of Indianapolis. And I pay attention to that because I've served in some of those crime-ridden areas, and my heart goes out to them. It's sometimes painful to follow that. There's times I'm tempted to just turn them off and close it out. But some reason I feel God saying, Jerry, I want you to do this as part of your prayer life to keep those the world has forgotten before you. My daughter, Kelsey, serves in Evansville. She oversees five schools in the inner city of Evansville that were getting failing grades. And so her job is to try to rise them out of that situation. They've had quite a bit of success, but still, they've got three of those five that are not where they want them to be. And I talk to her every week about that and how hard she's working, the action plans that they create, and trying to get all people on board to follow through on those. And yet there's so many other challenges, things they cannot control. I try to encourage her, and she knows the problems. And how about your heart when it comes to children? How many children do you see out there that don't have that secure environment? You wish you could just take them home. Or what about sexual slavery that we see that still amazingly exists in great numbers in our modern world? Or the rise of violence and mass shootings, all those things. And you hear so many of those that you just sometimes want to turn off the news, don't you? We just kind of stick our head in the sand and worry about our own lives. We have enough to worry about. We feel so inadequate and the problems are so complex and they seem enduring. Well, If that's how you feel, then you're not in bad company. Because there's someone else who kind of went through the same process who was confronted with a burning bush. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Moses. Moses, think about how important of a figure he is to our Christian and Judeo-Christian heritage. 
He is the most prominent figure in the Hebrew Bible. All the Jewish festivals, the tabernacles, the Feast of Weeks, the Jewish New Year, Yom Kippur and Passover, all are rooted in Moses' story. He's credited with being the originator of the Jewish Torah to the point that they often refer to it as the Mosaic Law. And even in the New Testament, the book of Matthew, who was writing to a Jewish audience, has structured his book after the Torah. He's got five teaching sections. And if you read through it, you get the message very clearly that Jesus is the new Moses, as he was trying to share and convince his Jewish followers that he was the Christ. And what about Christ's transfiguration? Moses shows up even there, along with Elijah. You know that Moses is mentioned over 70 times in the New Testament? And Moses is claimed as a prominent prophet by Judaism, Christianity, Islam, and the Baha'i religion. Four religions who often credit him with being the founder of the monotheistic belief in the world. And yet, he's a very unlikely hero, especially to the Hebrews. I mean, think about it. He barely escaped genocide by the Pharaoh. He's adopted by Pharaoh's daughter, grows up in the royal Egyptian palace. He ends up murdering a slave master and has to flee as a fugitive. He spends in the desert 40 years out of touch with the civilized world. In Exodus 2.22, he describes himself as an immigrant living in a foreign land. And the majority of his life, he spent more time talking to sheep than he has human beings. And yet, he's supposed to go and negotiate with one of the most powerful rulers on the face of the earth at that time. And in addition to that, he describes himself as having a speech impediment, as being slow of speech and thick of tongue. In spite of all this, he became Israel's greatest prophet. If you'd read the whole book of Exodus, you'd see how human he comes across. He's imperfect, he's afraid, he's reluctant, and he's frustrated. It was a job he never asked for, he felt unqualified for, and yet he ended up leading the people out of Egypt to eventually become a nation. The book of Deuteronomy closes with these words, No prophet like Moses has yet emerged in Israel. Moses knew the Lord face to face. Now, how do we find our call? And I'm sure none of us expect to be the next Moses. But I think if we take a look at his burning bush experience, maybe we can learn a few things to discover what is our one thing we're called to do. What's, what's our thing to make a difference and impact on this world and make it more like God intends it to be? And I notice three things in this burning bush experience that are very interesting. The first is curiosity. You notice a little detail. It says that Moses saw the bush at a distance. Isn't that interesting? Why would they put that detail in? You see, God didn't get in Moses' face. He, he made that, that supernaturality something that he could see out of the corner of his eye, but then he had to choose to go and check it out and explore and discover what it is. I think that's significant. I'm sure there's times that Moses had wished when he was dealing with those stubborn and whiny Israelites out in the wilderness that he had never seen that burning bush, but by that time he was all in. 
it suggests to me that we can't just wait for God to send a light and bolt, big booming voice and tell us this is what you're called to do. We have to be curious. We have to discover and explore the issues that are in our world to discover the people that are in need, to think through and see the realities that bring those problems before us. Now, that doesn't mean you've got to be obsessed with the news, but it means that we observe and learn and discover. Today, we're going to have 20 people coming home from Guatemala. Some of you have been there. And you know the transforming experience that can be. They're going to learn a lot about the Mayan people. They'll discover that those people can be happy even though they have so very little. They're also going to learn a few things about poverty, even here at home. It's going to give them a a new perspective as they look at the world. But you know, you don't have to go on a mission trip to get that. There's so many ways to get that here. You can take a Bridges Out of Poverty workshop that's available in the city of Indianapolis all the time. We're talking about bringing one here to this church. Or a racial dialogue circle where you look at the world through the eyes of someone from a different race. Or just volunteer at an agency dealing with something you've never, ever experienced before. Be curious as Moses was curious. And you might find where you're called to be. The next detail is that when Moses came up to the burning bush, what was the first thing that God said to him? Anybody? Take off your sandals, yes. Take off your sandals because you are standing on holy ground. It was a common Near Eastern tradition that when you went into anyone's home, you took off your shoes because usually they were full of dirt and sand. You didn't want to track that around their home that they worked to keep clean. It was also expected whenever you're in the presence of the Pharaoh, you were to take off your sandals. And God is declaring to Moses that even though we're in the middle of the desert, wherever I am and wherever my call is, is sacred ground. And that tells me that we need to make sure we, we treat God's call upon our lives in such sacred ways, that we need to be working to try to surrender to ourselves to all that we have under his lordship. It means we try to discover what does God want us to be doing with our lives in every aspect of our life, perhaps even including how we make a living. Life is too short to waste on things that don't matter. Now, that doesn't mean you've got to quit your job and become a pastor or a missionary or start working for a nonprofit. It just means you need to ask that question, what am I doing with my life? Am I doing something that fulfills the purpose that he has for me? I've lived long enough that I know that uh, sometimes some people are called to make money. Some people are just really good at it, you know? But what do you do with that money? Are you doing it to make a difference in this world? We need to ask, what is holy in our lives? Moses obeyed God's call, and he took off his sandals. And the last one might be a tough one for us. You notice in verses 7 8, God's call is very clear for Moses. He says that he's heard the cry of his people in Egypt, the cry of injustice. You know, Christians, we tend to worry a lot about being nice. I think we worry too much about being nice. And we're not sure what we think about justice. We're a lot more comfortable 
with charity. We're quick to feed hungry people, but we're less willing to fight the systems that create that hunger. Sometimes we fall victim to the belief that people are poor because they choose to be poor. There's so much more to it than that. I'm really excited about the effort by leaders over here at Ivy Tech as we've helped them launch a food pantry, but the dream is so much more than that. The, the dream is to combine other services like health care, education, job training, because they want to not only feed the line at the food pantry, they want to reduce the line at the food pantry, as John Elliott has said so very well. People can't learn when they have an empty stomach. And they can't put food on the table when they can't get a job that has a living wage. So sometimes we have to think about justice. I came across a statistic that blew my mind as I was researching this week. Did you know that 80% of the world's farmers are women? 80% of the world's farmers are women. And yet only 2% own the land that they farm. Now that's a justice issue. Somehow we have to change the relationship of those women to the land, or we have to change the relationship of the patriarchal cultures that they're a part of so that that can be something very different. God didn't tell Moses to go to Egypt and start a food pantry so his malnourished people would be fed. He didn't tell them to go start a church so they'd feel better about their lives. He told them to go and confront Pharaoh. And to say to him, to let my people go. So sometimes we may be called to collect food for a food pantry. Sometimes we may be called to go work in that food pantry. But sometimes God might call you to do something that eliminates the need for that food pantry. But here's the biggest obstacle when it comes to discovering our call. It's Moses' question. What does Moses say? You said it. Who am I to go? And Moses has got a a lot of good reasons to say that. I mean, he's got a few things working against him. He's a fugitive in a foreign land who was raised by the Egyptian royal palace. He has no stick with the Hebrews. He spent 40 years in the wilderness, and he has no confidence in speaking. And you know, I... I really identify with Moses. I like him in so many ways. Because I don't know how many times I've said to God, why in the heck did you call me to be a preacher? I mean, I'm shy. I'm short and bald and certainly not good looking. I don't have a good speaking voice. And I got this annoying habit that when I'm thinking of my next thought, I, I trail off and you can't always hear the last thing I've said. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, a few people told me about that. And yet here I am. God calls unlikely people. I've talked before about my clinical pastoral education experience. They call it CPE when I was in seminary. But but I didn't tell you about the person who was my mentor through that process. That was Carver Williams. Carver Williams was 4'11". He had a childhood illness that stunted his growth. And somehow through his ministerial and clinical training, he came to grips with that. I tell you, he knew who he was. And he had a powerful personality. 
He served as chaplain for two hospitals in Marion, Ohio, and they loved him there. The employees of those hospitals saw him as their pastor because he told it like it was, and he was so good at reading people. Well, part of the clinical pastoral education unit meant that I had to meet with him weekly and talk about my experiences, and he would analyze them and, and, and share what he saw. And I remember the first session I had with him. He looked at me, and he had his legs crossed, and he crossed his arms, and he said, you know, and he always had this little scrap of beard. He said, I bet you're a pretty good preacher. And, of course, the shy person that I am, I said, well, I don't know about that. And he said, yeah, I'm serious. I bet you are because you think before you say what you're going to say. And you're very introspective. I bet there's a lot of depth and substance to your preaching. Gave me another way to look at my shyness. I remember later on in session we got talking about our height because, you know, I'm not exactly the tallest person in the world. And Carver shared with me how his size has become an advantage, especially for his profession. He said, you know, for being a chaplain, being small is great because my height disarms people. I don't worry about intimidating people. And, when, and my flaws are so obvious that it just seems to naturally relax people to open up and tell me things they would never think about telling someone else. So Carver made me rethink a lot of things. I haven't quite figured out the baldness thing yet, but there's probably something there. But Moses only saw himself as an outcast. He saw himself as having no identity. He had a no true father. He didn't know his heritage. He had no voice among his real people. And he saw himself as an impulsive person. And here he was, a fugitive in the desert. But what did God see? God saw an 80-year-old with a lifetime of wisdom and plenty of vitality. God saw someone who was fluent in the Egyptian language and was an insider in the Egyptian royal palace. He could negotiate with the Pharaoh. God saw a man with passion for justice. He saw him as a protector who defended his fellow Hebrew and defended some of women at a well, and that's how he found his wife. God saw a man who had been trained in how to survive the desert wilderness, which would come in handy to lead a people out into the wilderness as they became a nation. Well, finding our call is not easy. Not everybody gets a burning bush. For most of us, it's a process. But listen for God's call in your life. God can turn our weaknesses into strengths. He can turn each of us, no matter where we might be in our life stage, to have a purpose to fulfill. And the most important words that God said to Moses can be said also to us. He said, I will be with you. I will be with you. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for Moses' story. He is so much like us. Help us to keep our eyes, our ears, our curiosity going. May we look for the sacred in our life. May we not worry about our weaknesses. For you still call and you will be with us. Through Christ we do pray. Amen.